I was actually going to hit this one off on Monday, but I said, you know, I'm going to hold it. I'm going to hold it. Right? I got to have the boys intact because this is going to be very um, controversial. Probably, maybe. It depends on how y'all like my list that I'm about to explain right now. So I'm going to explain everything and how this list is actually going to work. And we might as well begin. I'm going to rank my top 10 coaches in sports that are the highest paid. What sparked me to do this topic was um, Monty Williams and the, you know, record contract that he got in the NBA. And I said to myself, hmm, I could come up with a creative topic behind this. So I'm going to rank my top 10. Now, the criteria to get in this list is obviously two things. Money, right? You have to be, you have to rank in the top 10 to 15 salary rise in all of sports. So you have to be in the upper class to pay your way into this list. Then. Once you do get into this list because of your salary, I'm going to rank you in order based on how I think you are as far as an individual coach in your respective sport and all the little things that we, you know, take in consideration when we ranking head coaches. So that's exactly how I'm going to do it. Now, it's a fine line between, you know, obviously the salary and the achievements and all that. I am not ranking anything in order based off salary. Once you qualify based on your salary, I'm just ranking you in order based on how I look at you as far as being a coach and, you know, all the sports. So at number 10, I'm going to go with um, John Harbaugh here at number 10. Now, he obviously is um, one of the highest paid coaches in football right now in the top 10. I believe number eight or seven, one of those, right? I forgot to write that down. But um, this came down to two coaches. And I know this is going to spark a debate later on once y'all respond to it. It came down to John Harbaugh and Mike Tomlin, right? Because literally, they are paid next to each other as far as the money they make. And then I had to rank them based on how I view them being better than each other. Now, it's funny because this was actually hard. Like, a lot of people think I have this agenda with Mike Tomlin. I don't. I like Mike Tomlin. I said it before. You know, I we could go to a bar, get a drink talk about sports and conspiracies i'm down with that right but you know you look at their record literally head to head timely got the 15 to 14 advantage two to one in the playoffs so identical um as far as total wins identical there's not a lot of separation now lil what created the separation for you to put john harbour at 10 and mike tomlin not at 10 well it's one word adaptability the theme of this show it's not 1999 anymore it's literally adaptability the theme and when you talk about John Harbaugh and some of the coordinators he had all throughout the years, let's talk about 2012. He fired Cam Cameron and hired Jim Caldwell as an OC to open up the offense more with Joe Flacco. That's when Joe Flacco, you know, went on that run as a quarterback, as a pocket passer, right? Then after that, they ended the Joe Flacco era. They went to the Lamar Jackson era. And then they hired Greg Roman, created the most unique offense in all of football. And, um... What's the name? Lamar Jackson won an MVP. Then they fired Greg Roman when things got too stale and old and hired Todd Munkin. Okay, and add the weapons and all that. Like, he's not afraid to pull the trigger. Mike Tomlin, on the other hand, as far as adaptability in that word, yeah, I don't see it. Like, he plays a game on all Madden. Um, old-fashioned, never switched. Matt Canada, right? How you bring him back? Out of all the coordinators that got fired, you thought it was plausible to bring him back when you have a young quarterback who could potentially be a star in the making years from now. I don't see it. So adaptability is why John Harbaugh is ranked number 10 for me over Mike Tomlin. At number nine, I'm going Sean Payton. 
um, one of the highest paid coaches in the NFL right now. Um, and a lot of the NFL is higher than the all the sports mainly, but I do have NBA coaches in here as well. Um, I'm not ranking anything outside of NFL and NBA. I don't watch other sports and credit. My job is easier because none of them qualify. It's NFL and NBA that have the top coaches. Number nine, Sean Payton. Um, you know, I felt like a couple times he got robbed from winning another Super Bowl. Um, Drew Brees, right? That era, he won a lot. Um, even the year before he took off, he still won eight games with not no number one quarterback. He was juggling Winston. He was juggling um, the hybrid guy, um, Taysom Hill. And to win eight games, I know you're a good play caller. I know he's very hands-on on his work. And even though I'm not sipping no Denver Broncos Kool-Aid at all, if there's any hope, it's because of Sean Payton. I'm going with him at number nine. At number eight, I'm going Pete Carroll. At number eight. I mean, winner. Look at his resume, bro. Look at his resume. Winner. Everywhere he's went. What he did with Geno Smith this year, literally, you have to give him the credit. Okay, a lot of people thought Geno Smith was not that guy. He was buried on the bench. And once he got his opportunity in the ecosystem that um he installed, you know, hiring the offensive coordinators he handled, you know, overseeing the defense and having all them draft plays make an immediate and long-term impact on that team last year, you have to give him credit that he was able to make the playoffs with losing Russell Wilson. Just think about that. Bill Belichick lost Tom Brady. They made the playoffs immediately. Um, same thing with the Saints. They didn't make the playoffs immediately, right? Um, after losing Drew Brees. Ben Roethlisberger, the, the quarterback, um, Kenny Pickett, didn't make the playoffs immediately. But Pete Carroll did. Give him credit. At number seven, I'm going to go with Kirby Smart. Third highest paid coach in college. Second best coach in football right now behind Nick Saban. And I think his mentality and what he preached to his team, be the hunter, even though you won a championship. You know how hard it is to preach being a hunter when you won a championship two years ago, right? You have to literally have some synchronizing speeches to make me feel that I'm still the hunter, even though I won something. And they won back to back. Um, his recruiting classes is up there, literally number one in the in college football. And um, they had 10 players that was taken in this year's NFL draft, second most in program history. Only the year before, they had more, 15 being in the NFL draft and obviously making their impact on the NFL teams. The Eagles took two Georgia Bulldogs right now, championship team that almost won a championship. At number six, I'm going to go with Greg Popovich, second highest paid coach in the NBA, $11.5 million per year, five NBA titles to his name. Listen, this cat could have took the Sean Payton route. I'm going to sit out of here and you could trade me because, yes, you can do trades with coaches in the NBA, NFL. I could have took that route instead of dealing with this rebuilding, you know, operation that the San Antonio Spurs are going through right now. Right. They have the number one pick with the rights to draft Victor Remignana and everybody loves to fit with him on San Antonio because of how he groomed those stars. Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, they all went over there. That's why everybody thinks Victor is in good hands because of Greg Pop. And let's talk about his coaching tree for a second because there's no bigger coaching tree than Greg Pop. You're talking about Steve Kerr. You're talking about Ime, guys that made the finals, won chips. Monty Williams, who just got paid. The reason why we came up with the topic, right? Doc Rivers, Mike Bonhosa, Mike Brown, etc. These coaches went on to do great things. So um, we have to put him at number six. At number five, I'm going to go with Steve Kerr. 
Sometimes I think he's very underappreciated because you have the best shooter in the world in Steph. You had the core of Clay, Dre, and Steph. But um, let's not forget the adjustments that he make game to game. He's not afraid to pull the trigger. In that game four in the finals, when he benched Draymond Green, tell any other coach to do that. They will not do it. They will not have the guts to bench one of their stars that been with them in their dynasty one to bench them because they wasn't playing well. And guess what? The Warriors went on to win that game. And they went on to win that finals. That game right there where he benched Raymond Green, if they lost that game, they would have been down 3-1 to the Celtics. Right? Sometimes it comes to a coaching adjustment. He made that. That's why they won last year. He has about five chips to his name. If I'm not mistaken, four to five chips to his name. They won 73 games. And the reason why Kevin Durant went over there to win a championship is not because they won 73 games. Well, yeah, that's part of it. But because they had a system, right, where the ball was always moving, everybody could touch the rock, everybody can eat, poop, and go home and win chips. Steve Kerr implemented that, right? He took the offense from Mark Jackson, who, you know, listen, credit to Mark Jackson. He helped build this thing, but his offense sometimes went stagnant, okay? Steve Kerr opened that offense up, made it very unique. He's number five for me. At number four, I'm going to go with Andy Reid here at number four. Number six highest paid coach in the NFL. You know, yes, you could say he lucked into Patrick Mahomes. I get it. But he made four straight NMC Championship games without him. Okay, with the Eagles. Once again, adaptability is key for me. Nobody uses more pre-snap motion in the NFL than Andy Reid. And he did it 70%, 77.8% in the Super Bowl. And that gave the Eagles fits. If you talk about things from a strictly... X's and O's perspective, Jonathan Gannon got packed up. It wasn't even close. Everything was opening up. You talk about Patrick Mahomes, injured his ankle, hobbled on one leg for most of the playoffs. Yes, we can give Patrick Mahomes his credit because, you know, he made the throws. He's a very elite quarterback. But to scheme everything up around Patrick Mahomes and win that chip is Andy Reid. You have to say his name. He's number four for me. We're getting close to the end. And number three, I'm going Bill Belichick, number one highest paid coach in sports. It's important for me not to confuse GM Belichick and Coach Belichick when I'm making any list because GM Belichick makes me want to lose my mind. GM Belichick makes me feel like he ran out of time. GM Belichick makes me feel like he's not in his prime. But Coach Belichick, there's no coach in the NFL that I wouldn't want coaching my team than Bill Belichick. If you talk about bad weather right it's raining it's snowing the old man is snoring and you need a coach to call a perfect game to win a coach off that's bill belichick he showed you that when he ran the ball up and down the buffalo bills throats constantly they knew it was coming 30 times they knew it was coming they knew it was coming they knew it was coming and he said you know i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it i'm gonna do it bill belichick is that guy so once again please don't do not confuse gm belichick gm belichick is horrible but Coach Belichick, he's still that dude. I got him at number three. At number two, I'm going to go with Eric Spolstra at number two. Fourth highest paid coach in the NBA. Maybe the recency bias is kicking in. But you look at all them undrafted players that are participating in the finals today. Like, that has to be commendable to me. We know he could win a chip with stars. He did so. When he won with the big three, he's also, you know, got a team to a finals twice with Jimmy Butler and a bunch of role players. 
Um, we know what's coming. We know he's going to throw zones at you and all that. We know what's coming. Nobody does it more than him. But can you beat the zone? Can you stop the zone? Right? Nobody's been able to do that. The Celtics didn't answer the call. The Knicks didn't answer the call. In every matchup, the Bucks didn't answer the call. In every matchup he was in, he outcoached everybody. Mike Malone in the last game is giving him the business. Don't get me wrong. And Mike Malone ain't no slouch. Right? He's not no slouch. But he's giving him the business a little bit. But I expect in game four for you know Eric Spolscher being the great tactician he is to adjust and we're gonna have a series so um yes I'm gonna go with him at number two and at number one it's easy Nick Saban number one highest paid coach 11.8 million dollars per year in college um Bill Belichick the greatest coach of all time gets his advice from Nick Saban you talk about the Alabama to New England pipeline where Bill Belichick has drafted seven players out of Alabama during the Nick Saban era at Alabama, which began in 2007. This includes the current Pats quarterback, starting quarterback, Mac Jones. Bill Belichick never drafted a quarterback in the first round, not even the greatest of all time. But he drafted Mac Jones. Why? Because he believed that Nick Saban had him ready to play pro-level football. Okay? Nick Saban is that dude. Five chips to his name. Um, excuse me. Seven national championships to his name. And the fact that the NILs, you know, kind of made it more competitive in college, right? I think the NIL probably ended the dynasty of Nick Saban in a way because you can offer these recruits a lot of money to go elsewhere. When you was talking about strictly recruiting classes back then, everybody wanted to go to Alabama. You knew if you went to Alabama, you was participating in a chip. You was going to be able to win a chip and go to the NFL. The NIL actually hurt Nick Saban. That's why Nick Saban is always, you know, excuse me, excuse my words, bitching about the NIL because he knows that it played a part in ending and cooling off that dynasty. But Alabama's always going to be there. You know, they're going to be in a college football playoff. They're going to be in a discussion. Why? Because Nick Saban always has his guys ready to play. I'm going with him at number one. I'm going with him at number one. So to recap my list, at number 10, I'm going John Harbaugh. At number nine, I'm going Sean Payton. At number eight, I'm going Pete Carroll. At number seven, Kirby Smart. At number six, I'm going Greg Pop. At number five, I'm going Steve Kerr. At number four, I'm going Andy Reid. At number three, I'm going Bill Belichick. At number two, I'm going Eric Spolstra. And at number one, I'm going with the one and only Nick Saban. Fellas, the mic is yours. Yeah, so I'll react. I think overall, like, the order is pretty good. Like, no no issues there. I wanted to ask uh, about a few guys, though, that just missed the list. I know you mentioned Tomlin as one of those guys, but I'm just curious if these guys, A, fit into the, into the category. I know you did the research on the coaches that are eligible for this, making the amount of money they're making. Um, so a couple names that you didn't mention that came to mind, a couple college football coaches and an NFL coach. The NFL coach, Kyle Shanahan, I know – that his resume, it's, it's missing a little bit. He hasn't won a Super Bowl. Uh, he, he's been there, and I understand like he is a little bit controversial based on some of the moves he's made. How close was he to making this list, and where would you rank him among the coaches right now in the NFL? Yeah, so great question. Obviously, from a financial perspective, he's the number eight highest paid coach in the league, $10 million. Very highly in consideration. Probably was one of my first ones out. Um, Mike Tomlin, him, you could flip the order there. Um, as far as coaches in the NFL, where he ranks is right up there, top five. I agree. But um, the reason why I didn't put him there is because I'm not seeing the accomplishments. Like, I know 
for one thing is for sure, X's and O's, there's nobody better. There's nobody more creative offensively. But he still has a lot to accomplish. He made the one Super Bowl. He choked that Super Bowl. Um, then he made the other one as an offensive coordinator. He choked that. I think the bigger the moment, the more he chokes as a play caller, the more he becomes more conservative as a play caller instead of sticking with what works. And that's why he didn't make my top 10 because a lot of these guys, although it's not a what did you do in the last decade type of list, it is a lot of today, but it's also the achievements that I'm respecting. And I don't really think he has any achievements for me to put him in my top 10. Gotcha. So the other name, I'm curious how close he was to making your list as well, because he actually has the achievements. Now, they haven't really come recently. The last two years, I don't want to say they've been rough, but they haven't necessarily been up to par. And I think some of that could have to do with the fact that he's coached some of the best quarterbacks in college football that I've seen lately. And that's Dabo Sweeney at Clemson. Uh, he's a guy that also, like Nick Saban, hasn't really been a huge fan of the NIL. I believe he came up with uh, the famous uh, quote that he would quit coaching college football when players started to get paid. Uh, obviously, he hasn't uh, stuck to, to his uh, judgment there. But uh, Dabo's an interesting one for me because I feel like he is also a guy, if you put him into that category like, oh, the more college football changes, I don't know necessarily if Clemson is going to be able to keep up that standard of consistently being really good considering, you know, three, four years ago when they had Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson and T Higgins, ETN, all, all those guys, there wasn't a program better in college football, but as time changed, I feel like Clemson, maybe some of it has to do with the conference they're in. They might've gotten, you know, they're a little bit off the radar right now. When you think of some of the best programs in college football, it's Bama, Georgia, Michigan. So where did Dabo uh, come in on your list? How close was he? I'm close still, like the 10 to 15. I really thought about putting Dabo in there. It became like, all right, how many college coaches do you want to put? Obviously, the NFL is the hierarchy as far as of, um, you know, just respect. Like we respect the NFL being the NFL. Then we respect college. How many college coaches do I want to put in my top 10 based on the money, based on the achievements right now, what they're doing? I said to myself, you know, I want to put a fair amount of basketball NFL. So I'm only going to take two coaches from college. And those two coaches that I took was Kirby and um Nick Saban. Nick Saban, because of what he done for college football and how he changed the game of college football. And Kirby Smart for winning the last two national championships. When you talk about Clemson, I do appreciate what Sweeney did as far as them being in the ACC, a conference that's not superior to the SEC and um, you know, the hierarchy conferences in the, you know, in the college football. But at the same time, it was a what have you done for me lately? I haven't seen them in the college football playoff lately since um Trevor Lawrence. So, you know, he kind of was close, but, you know, he didn't make my top 10 because of that. Um, you know, I'm going to say Mike Thomas should have been higher on the list. You know, I'm, I'm going to say it. I'm going to keep saying it. The man is he, his. Um, you made great points about adaptability, uh, but his system has worked. And that's just how it is. It's his system has worked. It's, he has yet to have a losing season in 20 years. Oh, uh, what's 20 years? 20? I think it's 20 years. Since he's been coaching. We could just leave oh, it at he's that. Been coaching. Since he's been coaching. I forgot, I, don't, I, don't, I forgot when Tomlin took over. But since he's been coaching, he hasn't had, had a losing season. So it's just like, you know, I feel like he should be higher on the list. That's all. It's just not that many coaches that was on the list that had 20 years of winning seasons like Tomlin. I feel like Tomlin and Greg Pop should be damn near identical. It's just the championships don't match up. But in terms of winning seasons, Tomlin wins games, you know, and that's something that's one, that's one thing you can't take away from him. He doesn't need stars 
to win games. You know, he, his football team, his football program has been winning football games even with or without the superstars on the on the team, even without a star quarterback, even without star receivers, even without a star running back who's not doing what he needs to do. It's, Tomlin has been coaching his butt off. I just feel like he should be higher on the list, but that's my opinion. I want to respond to that, Zach. Feel free after me. Um, as far as you know, Mike Tomlin is concerned. I just think that you know, when he took over the job, Ben Wattlesberg already won a Super Bowl on that team, so he was gifted the keys to one organization that didn't need a lot of fixing. They just won a chip with um Bill Cowher. As far as John Harbaugh and um taking over the Ravens, do we consider Joe Flacco to be a Hall of Famer here? Because I don't. And he won a chip. I don't see Joe Flacco being a Hall of Famer. You know, Ben Wallaceberger, yes, I do. You know, so he, they won one with different quarterbacks, one with a more talented quarterback who's a Hall of Famer, and one, John Harbaugh, one with a guy that's not a Hall of Famer and won a Super Bowl. Uh, and, um, you know, Lamar Jackson, they found him. You know, I, I just don't see where, you know, it really makes sense to put him over John Harbaugh, especially when you talk about that word, adaptability. I feel like, real quick before Zach goes in, I feel like you could make the same argument with John Harbaugh because he took over with a Hall of Fame defense. Probably arguably one of the best defenses we've probably seen in and in our time. And he, he took over that and went to the Super Bowl. I think it was more that defense that was the bread and butter for the Ravens and the offense was just more of like, all right, try to make something happen. That's my opinion. I mean, hey, you got a quarterback, man. You, your quarterback got to win you the Super Bowl. Can't be a defense. Can't bust ride there. But, you know, we could agree to disagree. Zach, you want to add anything else or should we move on? Yeah, a, cu- a couple more things. So I, I, I'm intrigued by the Harbaugh versus Tomlin debate just because they're in the same division. They literally coach teams that are rivals. They've both been coaching for about the same time. Uh, they, they've just coached so many times against each other. I would give Harbaugh the slight edge. I, I do think just from a, a pure coach X's and O's ability perspective, I would rather have him coaching my team, but I'm a big Tomlin supporter as well. Um, you know, all those non-losing seasons is super impressive. Uh, but I, I definitely think you could go either way there. Well, one more question I had though on the list, and uh, I, I'm really fascinated by this. So uh, you did all the research going in, you know, really trying to figure out like, and, and figuring out like who's, uh, who is really paid and among the most highly paid coaches in their leagues. Who is the coach that ranked inside the top 10, inside the top 15, that when we look back on this segment in five to 10 years, we're all going to be wondering, like, what in what was the team that employs this coach doing, thinking, paying him this much money? Is there any coaching contract in the top half of those lists in particular that you think is just going to age rather poorly? So you're talking about as far as top 10 to 15 paid or on my list? Paid, paid. Paid? That's a very, very, very good question. Um, Because I have I one could... way. Go ahead, go ahead. Give me the one that you got, and I'll come up with mine. Josh McDaniels. I, I said it last week. Uh, I think if we were ranking NFL coaches, he might be number 32 on my list, and I understand why the Raiders had to pay him that much money in order to get him to Vegas, considering he, at one point in his career, he agreed to become the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, and then he left them at the altar at the very last second. Uh, he said, nah, uh, forget it. I'm not coming back here. And part of me was actually a little bit surprised that he took the Raiders job considering like he would have been the logical explanation or the logical guy that most people would have thought to replace Bill Belichick. But that is not a guy I would want running 
and operating and making all of the major decisions within my franchise. So that was the first one that came to mind for me looking at the highest paid coaches in the NFL. I mean, off the top, because, you know, I really didn't prepare for that outlet. When you do bring Josh McDaniels up and I'm looking at him, he's the eighth highest paid coach in the league, $10 million. I don't really know if there's any other guy that could probably even be in the same class. I mean, there's probably other options there. But Josh McDaniels, I would have to agree off the top of my head because um, literally if we were to do a quarterback, excuse me, a coach's list, he will rank near the bottom, if not the bottom, if not 32, 31, one of those. So to be making eight highest you know, paid in the NFL and you literally are 31, 32 coach in the NFL, there's a big gap right there so yeah yeah it's also interesting with like monty williams i think he's a really good coach but the pistons man like that contract they gave him it was a lot of money and i understand why they did it like that was i think he turned down the job like two times and then he finally said yes based on uh the money he was getting i'm curious to see if the pistons could get any kind of positive return of investment on that coaching contract because i I think monty is a good fit there i think he's going to make it work but man they're paying him a lot of money didn't they pay that other guy, um, Dwayne Casey, a hefty contract before they let him go? I actually didn't let him go. They moved him up in the in the hierarchy office. Like you know, you searching for something. I mean, the talent got to be developed either way. So we'll see what happens with Monty Williams. But I know they did that before. So please like and subscribe for all the up to date content. We're, we've been slinging shows left and right slinging content left and right please don't miss anything if you do like subscribe leave a comment or leave a question something you may want to answer something you may have is that all ideas are great ideas nothing's a dumb question 